0: Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football, with your host, John Bauer. I'm
1: looking to sell everybody price-dependent.
2: Dan LaMagna.
3: Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen.
2: Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Hey, welcome back to another live
1: episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at the Bauer Club, and of course, I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Dan Lamagna. That's at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's
3: going on, Dan? You're too kind, there, buddy. You're too too kind. Uh, but buddy, doing good tonight. Ready to rock and roll. Another great guest, and uh, always great to see you guys. So let's do it.
1: I don't know what Mitch is doing over there, but he's moving all around. But of that's course, right. we are joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's
2: at DinoMC on Twitter. What's up, Mitch? What's going on? I had to close my vent because my kid goes to sleep shortly, and there's probably some screaming that's going to happen. So if I close the vent, it'll help out a little bit. That's all right. I have a I have a light that's about to go out above me. So if you guys see a
1: strobe light, it's just a a light that's about to to go out here. I did my first ever TikTok.
3: I've not oh, seen this no. yet. Should we be concerned?
1: <laughs> no, no, it's not bad. So my wife's cousins, they came over Saturday night, and I had a few beverages, you know, as I typically do. And we had a fire, and then we came back inside. And it's about midnight, and my wife's cousin's like, "Well, oh, we should do a TikTok. So, of course, me, I'm like, that's a fantastic idea. <laughs> and it was like, you know, you do it to a song. It, it's horrendous, but it's out there. So if anybody follows her. i have to look for that.
3: Yeah, John, it, it, John does it, the most fun things when he has a few beverages in him, doesn't he, Mitch? Like, mm-hmm. like We always get a good story. I, I did not injure myself this weekend, though, so that's a plus. That's
2: always. good. That's the best time to sit him trades, too. When he's being really quiet on group me, you know he's drinking or doing something on Saturday night. So that's <laughs> when you try to slip in a couple <laughs> trades, and you, sometimes they get accepted.
3: Best advice to our listeners there tonight. Right there, best tip of the night. Yep. So we do have a
1: fantastic guest joining us tonight. He'll be joining us here in a few minutes. But before we get there, we would love to introduce a new sponsor to the show. And just a little clip that I put together because we figured that Dan would not be ready to do the live read on it. So none other than our sponsor, Manscaped. Guys, we have another great show for you today. But you know what else is great? Manscaped who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family, Joels. I know it's a little uncomfortable and kind of awkward to talk about, but let's be honest. We have all had close calls when doing a little manscaping. The only cuts we want to happen are the players being cut from our dynasty rosters. Luckily, all that danger, it's a thing of the past. And that's exactly why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer and just released the Lawnmower 3.0. It's perfectly engineered, long battery life up to 90 minutes, water-resistant, it has an LED light, and it's also super quiet. Of course, Manscaped is known for the below-the-belt grooming, but it doesn't stop there. Use it for a haircut or just to clean up that unruly chest hair. Guys, make your significant other happy and keep things nice and clean down there. Get 20% off plus free shipping by using code THEORY20 at manscaped.com. Again, that's code theory 20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscape.com. So seriously, all of those features are awesome. But I told, I let my wife listen to this earlier today and she goes, why does it have to be charged for 90 minutes? Like you would like to think you're a little more kept than having to trim for
2: 90 minutes. It is called a lawnmower. You know, that first trim could be rough for people.
3: <laughs> Hey, 90 minutes, I mean, you know, we're busy here at Dynasty Theory, so we could just, you know, put it on the shelf. We don't need to charge it for a while. We're going to get plenty of uses there.
1: Before we introduce tonight's guest, just like we did for Mother's Day, once again, we are partnering with MyFrontPageStory.com. Your dad loves the newspaper. Everybody's dad loves the newspaper. Give him the cover story he deserves for being such an awesome dad right at MyFrontPageStory.com. Telling your dad you had a story written about him as a gift for Father's Day, is pretty much the coolest thing you're going to tell someone when giving them a gift. Watching him read it and try not to get choked up will be even better. Talk to a writer about your dad for 10, 15 minutes. They write an amazing story about him and send it to you. He'll love it. You win. And with everything going on in the world right now, you can do this in the comfort of your own home over the phone. What are you going to get your dad for Father's Day? Socks, a tie, a gift card? That's all boring. Give him something that he's actually going to remember forever. Again, again, Check out myfrontpagestory.com story.com and use code Theory20 to get 20% off. Joining us tonight. So he is the host of the Dynasty and Chill podcast, none other than Scott Connor, and that's Charles Chill FFB on Twitter. What's going on, Scott? What's up, fellas? Glad to be here. Looking forward to it. You joined us for the live draft show special, and for some reason you still wanted to come back on and talk some <laughs> strategies, talk some dynasty with us even after that. But, you know, first of all, where? why is your handle on Twitter Charles Chill? Oh, man, it's a long story, but uh, I've had the nickname
0: since I was in high school, actually middle school, and just my middle name's Charles, so that's where that comes from. And then everyone just always said Charles Chill because I was so – laid back and chilled out and it just stuck and i've just rang with it because it's you know it's a nickname i probably should have changed it a while ago to something more fantasy related but <laughs> hey it's been there for like five years so i might as well stick with it right it definitely
3: fits Yeah, you know, all the guests we've had john i always feel a little more relaxed when scott's on the show or if i'm listening to his podcast uh, he, he lives by that nickname so well, well represented there scott yeah thanks I, thanks I don't
1: think anybody has ever said that I'm chill. Would you guys describe me as chill? Probably not. Nope.
3: (laughs) Not even close.
1: Maybe a little high strung, maybe a little wired. But guys, let's get right into it. And and Scott, I ask that because every time I go to tag you in something on Twitter or, you know, whenever you and I are going at it, oh, well, if you are in 50 leagues, talk to this guy. And you and I always kind of make jokes about that. But I always want to do at Scott. I'm like, nope, no, he does the Charles I know, it, I know. it throws me off. It's just a little inconvenient, but we'll <laughs> let you keep it. Don't worry.
3: Hey All John, one, 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 one question for Scott before we get into the goods here of uh, fantasy football, just like our draft show. I saw him drafting. A, I think you were in the same setting in the garage. Now what's the story there? Is, does the Mrs. kick you out for the podcast and you're in the garage or is that just the, you know, chill garage is probably like a Ford Mustang behind you or something. What's, what's the story there?
0: No, there's actually a squat rack and a bench press and, It got a lot of use during the uh, COVID nineteen shutdown because that's really the only options that I had with all the gyms shut down. But no, I move around. You know, sometimes I'll podcast from our second bedroom, or I actually have a work from home station upstairs, like in a loft where I have an office. So I don't know, just a little more privacy out here. Just can kind of scream and yell, and it doesn't, you know, get rile up any of the animals or anything like that. So just, (laughs) just have it. But honestly, it's nice and cool. There's been some times already this year where. I'm sitting out here and I'm an hour into a podcast and it's 85, 90 degrees and I'm sweating. And it's the same in the summer. I mean, it's same in the winter. I think John was on the show in January and, uh, I mean, there were some days where I started chattering during the show and I got to actually like (laughs) gather myself so I can get through the show. But yeah, I mean, weather dependent, I think this is a nice place. So that's why really no science behind
1: it. Whenever I was on your show, Scott dynasty and chill, uh, it was in January And I was, we were still at our old house and I was locked in my bedroom and the vent does not work there. So even though it was January, I was sweating my butt off and I, (laughs) you know, it's always funny because when I would do video, like, I think you could see the sweat dripping off, but now we moved, I'm in the basement. So it's a little bit colder, but let's get right into it guys. And what I typically like to do, you know, we have a guest on, especially guests that we trust, just like you, Scott, I kind of want to know what you want to talk about. So obviously, dynasty theory, we're going to focus on dynasty, but there were a lot of topics that Scott brought up that, I mean, I really had no, sometimes it's like, okay, maybe we'll tweak it here, here, here. I I sent it back to Scott. I was like, love it, love it, love it, love it. So first up, let's talk about some of the QB landmines. So Scott, you threw a tweet out there earlier, later last week now, and it was dynasty quarterback ADP from three years ago, Andrew Luck, Jameis Winston. Carr, Mariota, Newton, Dalton Taylor, Bortles, Trubisky, all going as top 24 quarterbacks. I, that's not looking too good, especially if you did a startup right around that time. So, Scott, what kind of prompted you to throw that out there? What, you know, were you diving into some things for whether it's an article or for your podcast? Uh, you know, I just
0: was thinking one day that that's the problem with uh, with Dynasty is that it's on your brain twenty four seven. At least for me, it is. You know, there's always something as follow as close as we follow the news and on Twitter all the time. It's like it's hard to get away from. You know, I don't know about you guys, but there's something that comes to my mind like ten times a day, and I'm like, I got to write that down. I Got to make sure I hit on it next episode, or make sure I do a little more research on it to see if it's actually a topic I want to cover. So I don't even remember where this came from. I think it came from. Uh, I had listened to Evan Silva's podcast and he was talking about how uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was one of his sleepers for MVP and, you know, it was like, I I think 80 to 1 odds. And I'm sitting there going, you know what? Yeah, I could find a narrative where Jimmy Garoppolo ends up well outperforming his current ADP or his current value. I think he's quarterback 20 at this point. So it kind of just stemmed from there. And I'm looking at, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I have some teams that have, uh, you know, Josh Allen on them or Sam Darnold on them. And I'm sitting there going, are they really as secure as the dynasty community wants you to make them think. I mean, Josh Allen, quarterback eight, you could write a story where two years from now he's in Trubisky's shoes where you're going, I don't know if that guy's going to get another job elsewhere because you're kind of fearful that if Buffalo gives up on him, is there somebody else that potentially sees the same value that Buffalo does in him? So that's one of those guys I've, I've been looking to pivot off of. But yeah, that's where it came from. Not really anything more than that than just brainstorming quarterbacks.
1: I like that a lot. And, you know, you brought up Josh Allen. He's somebody that I acquired so many shares of going into his rookie year, whether it was a a, uh, a startup or a rookie draft. He was slipping because obviously he, d- he didn't have the high profile that these other quarterbacks had. But based on the price and everything, I, I always say it's price dependent. I was picking up shares left and right. But this offseason, just like you said, Scott, Josh Allen, quarterback seven, eight. That's too early for me. And I can't pull the trigger there. So Josh Allen, obviously, he's a guy that you might be a little worried about. Dan, what are your thoughts? Because I, I don't know in any of the leagues that we're in together, you have Josh Allen. So you kind of might be out on him altogether.
3: No, you you just sniped him in all those leagues. I can't get him because you won't trade him. But I, I do have a couple of shares of Josh Allen. And, and looking at the show night show notes tonight, this maybe took a little deeper look at my rankings made me think about Josh Allen a little bit harder because Josh Allen is one of those guys, JB, that I do like as having my number two. We talked in the past episode. I like kind of anchoring my super flex formats with a Dak, with a Deshaun Watson, Mahomes. And then my second quarterback is often a Josh Allen, a Jimmy Garoppolo, Drew Locke in a couple of leagues now. Um, But with Josh Allen, you know, I think I'm with Scott and I'm still buying. I'm still believing. I, I think, I'm going to, because I think you said in your notes, Scott, about kind of hedging your bets there a little bit, like you might still stay with him if I understood you correctly. I think it was the Buffalo Bills coaching staff. They says, you know, hey, where we go next year, it's on Josh Allen. And that took me back to my Cowboys a few years back. I got to coach at a camp up in Kutztown University with Jason Garrett's brothers. So, you know, the Homer Cowboy fan, I am talking to him like, you know, hey, what's the team going to be like this year? You know, what's your thoughts? And their exact words are, it's all on Tony Romo. Like, I think they were in that – he was at that same point where Josh Allen in his career, where he's flashed, he's a hardworking guy, they like him, but he, he wasn't there yet. And, you know, Josh Allen flashed. We like him in fantasy. We watch him scramble and do some good things. But he had a little meltdown in that last playoff game. Some bad decision-making, took a key sack. But there's there's a lot of potential there. So I think they believe in him, and I'm going to go with the Tony Romo path there and and stick with them and say it's all on Josh Allen, but I think he hopefully he comes through while I'm holding my breath.
1: Mitch, who who's a quarterback that's on your list that you think could I I have a feeling I know who you're going to say and I did not see any of your notes but who's a quarterback
2: 3 years from now could pretty much have no value? I mean, it could be a quarterback next year who has no value, but everyone's going to know who it is. It's Drew Lock. He's just when it's everyone around him is going to make him good. That's my worry about him. And it's not that you know, I hate Drew Lock or anything at this point. I might You know, maybe. But when you you go and ask anyone, why is Drew Locke going to be good? It's going to be like, well, everyone around him is really good. It's never, well, Drew Locke does this well, he does this well, he does that well. It always goes back to everybody else is really good around him. That's something that we used when Eli Manning was fading down the stretch of his career. We're saying, oh, they have Saquon now. He has these wide receivers who are, he has Odell Beckham, you know, and end up Eli wasn't any good then. And I don't see why we should promote a quarterback just because of who a skill position pieces are. I, I understand that. I think we all
1: saw that coming. And that's, that's exactly kind of why I was like, eh, I know who you're going to pick. But Scott, who's another quarterback that's on your radar? You're in a super flex startup today that, especially at their current ADP, you're like, this guy has a lot of red flags, and I'm pretty concerned looking even remotely long-term.
0: Yeah, I mean, and kind of just to add to Mitch, I I kind of took this topic in the last couple days after we talked and knew we were going to talk about it on the show and went through and looked. You know, I track all of my shares of all my players, and Drew Locke and Sam Darnold were two guys I had seven shares of. And then I'm going through – the logic behind this and the logic behind even posting this was more of, we look at these players and what is making up their value? You know, what was making up James Winston's quarterback four, Derek Carr's quarterback five, Marcus Mariota's quarterback six. It was because people all had these, you know, they had these sparkle in their eyes thinking, well, these guys are going to last for a decade. And the topic, if anything, it shows that we don't know who they're going to be. You can go through the ADP right now, there's probably 14 to 16 guys from like quarterback 9 to 23 24 that you could say are in the same quote unquote tier. Some are going to bust, some are going to hold their value, but then you look at guys like Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford. I know one thing they're not going to do is get phased out of the NFL and not be a starter. You know, they may be every single year for the next couple years on that fringe of like, well, are they going to retire? Are they going to lose a step? But they're not just going to be completely phased out and replaced like all those other guys on the list for the most part. Um, so I'm kind of with Mitch on Drew Locke. I actually traded uh, Drew Locke today, a 14-team super flex league, and got Drew Locke, Chase Claypool in a second, and got Michael Gallup and Matt Ryan. And I'm looking at that saying – I actually like,
1: I like that a lot. I saw well, and I,
0: and I, I've i been buying Gallup too just because hedging your bets on that. Like I know you're going to talk about Gallup later in the show, but like
3: – Kill me, Scott. You're killing me. <laughs>
0: Well, here's here's the thing. I mean, I, I'm not even going to go down this road because we get this is another whole topic. But you know, I look at Dallas and I'm like, what do I love about Dallas? They don't Scott, use a lot Scott, of Scott. Play- please don't bring up Dallas because okay, Dan okay, okay. No Dallas. No, Dallas, play-
1: no, no, Dallas. no, no. I'm I'm just kidding. Please talk about them.
0: No, no, no. I'll I'll go back to the quarterbacks. But I'm looking there, going, I only <laughs> had two. On, sh- <laughs> I only had two shares of Matt Ryan, and I had seven Sam Darnolds and seven Drew Locks. So I know based on the ADP, I can probably make those pivots without having to pay a whole lot. And it just happened to be that I could do it by throwing in a player I didn't like that I just drafted because of value with Claypool. So that, you know, to me, I think Darnold's the other one that I'm maybe a little worried about. I do think he's young enough that he may get a second shot somewhere. But man, I don't know if anybody's confident in his situation going to get any better in the next year or two, then he's going to have to be hoping for another team that gives him a chance. So, you know, could he be another Jameis Winston where he hits a reset button and misses a year? I don't know. Uh, But I'd say Darnold and Locke are the two on my radar right now, aside from Josh Allen, those three, I'm cool with only
1: having, you know, five, 10% shares of Scott. What do you think? Well, first of all, I love the idea of pivoting, especially play, you know, dynasty players like you and myself, and even Mitch to an extent, he's catching up. Uh, Hopefully his wife's not listening to this, but (laughs) his um, wife's a saint, John. Great lady, great lady to deal with Mitch. She has to be, but yeah, Scott, you and I, we have the luxury, Of kind of, I don't want to say taking gambles, but diversifying our portfolio. Whereas if you're in one or two dynasty leagues, you kind of have to really focus on, I don't want to say being right because we're focusing on the same thing, but you can't have seven shares of this quarterback, seven of this six, five, whatever the case may be. But I I love the idea because I've done the same thing. And I might say, you know, just for example, Matt Ryan, for me, he's a big time buy at his current price, but I don't want to completely, even though I think I'm over 30% for Matt Ryan. So that even might be a terrible example here, but you know, I I think diversifying your portfolio a little bit, especially if you're taking part in so many leagues is a good idea because, you know, if you have an Andrew Luck type player where out of nowhere, I I took him in a 14 team super flex league uh, two or three weeks before he retired in the first round. So that set me back just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So looking at the other guys in the top 12, you know, I I think it's safe to say Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Dak, Watson, Russ, they they should be okay. I don't know if there's any Kyler Murray.
2: I think Kyler Murray could. So the thing is he is dynasty QB three right now. He is at his ceiling. Um, this time last year, half the community was killing him because he's five you know, probably more like 5'8, 5'9, and 200 pounds. And everyone was killing him, and he has a pretty good rookie year. And now everyone's calling him the quarterback three because I honestly don't know why he's as high as he is, except for they got Hopkins. So somehow that makes Murray this like savant. I just don't that's see. That's exactly his price what happened right with
1: now. Baker last year, right?
2: That's exactly what happened yeah.
1: And Baker sh- shot off mm-hmm. the, the draft boards. I, you know scott you i think you gave a thumbs up over there or do you see I, kyler murray i think he has at least a little bit of insulated value you know i i think we at least see him play out his rookie deal so oh, i think yeah. he's okay for at least three years but could he drop below quarterback three i actually i'd be shocked if he's quarterback three this time next year so do you think there's maybe an in-between zero value and just you know, where he is now, or do you think he completely bottoms out? I don't, and I don't think that's what Mitch is saying here, but.
0: Well, I don't think he has necessarily the risk of bottoming out because again, he's a rookie. He's a first round pick. He has a fifth year option. So barring that the offense doesn't go completely South. My biggest fear with Kyler would be the team does go South in the next two years and they, that system doesn't work. Does he translate? Is there another team willing to give him the same chance in a different offense? So is he translatable to have a. 15-year career, if he bounces around different coaches, different systems, I don't know. Uh, But I do think he has a security with his draft capital. It's not like he was bad last year. But I do think that if you're in a position where you're in multiple leagues and maybe you have too many Kyler Murray shares, I think there's a chance that, I agree with Mitch, and I agree with you too, John, I don't see his value going higher than quarterback three. And a pivot I was just thinking about this morning was, can I trade Kyler Murray for Russell Wilson plus? Because I think Russell Wilson, as stable as he has been, he's hung around like that quarterback five to quarterback eight range for like four seasons now. But I do think that there's a non-zero chance that Russ has at least one or two like just don't give a crap seasons left in him at some point where they're going to let him get unleashed. I don't know if they're going to continue with this for the rest of his career. So I could see, you know, say that happens this year. You know, let's say they're, you guys would agree their running back uh, room is, somewhat volatile, right. With injury prone guys and not, not really sure what it's going to look like. What if that kind of goes, goes South on them and they do have to throw it 570 times or something like that. What does that look like? So, you know, I think there's a chance you could pivot off of Kyler for certainly Dak Prescott or Russell Wilson, if you can get something on top of it. But I I mean, at Dak and Kyler right now, I don't think you're pivoting one way or the other. I think you're probably going to have a tough time selling that, but so Russell Wilson, I think Russell Wilson or maybe Joe Burrow would maybe be the, uh, the pivots there. Cause Burrow, whether you like Burrow or not, he's going to start for five years and he does have some upside on the ground. So I think there's some safety in those guys. I mean, Russell Wilson is not going to fade out of the league. He's going to play as long as he wants, most likely. So.
1: Any concern? And I'll throw this out to you, Dan, any concern with a player like Daniel Jones? I I'm clearly high on him. I know Mitch, you, you've talked him up as well. He's currently going according to, you know, even just fantasy pros rankings. They have him at quarterback 13. Is there any concern, especially with your boy, the clapper going there as the offensive coordinator, Dan, is there a concern with him?
3: Some concern with the Giants, um, but in that tier of quarterbacks, he wasn't one of the guys I highlighted. You know, is there some concern? Of course, there's some concern. I mean, you know, he has, he hasn't proven himself completely yet, but the guy can run. He's got a lot of weapons around him. As much as I'm through with the clapper, I mean, he is decent with quarterbacks. I mean, that offense has some potential. Guys around him that I'd be more concerned about, JB, would be Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff. Uh, Baker would be the guy I would probably talk about next as far as it just seems more hype than substance to me. He seems to have just a – you know how I am with dysfunction. There just seems like a lot of attitude chip on his shoulder than a guy that's ready to grind and put in the work. He's got talent around him, and he's got a new system, a new coach coming in that – you know, it's a little bit more Viking-esque, you know, but he's got the weapons, but I'm just not believing if if with all that talent around him, it doesn't materialize. I could see that uh, window getting closed kind of soon.
1: I honestly think we could spend five hours on this topic, but for the sake of time, let, let's move on here. And I love this topic that you wanted to bring up, Scott. So I'm very interested to see which side of it you're on because I, I wasn't exactly clear in your notes, but then talking with you off the air, I think we might agree here, but wide receiver pivoting, and uh, you know, you could look at this for redraft or dynasty purposes.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is something I've been talking about since last year, but I think it's starting to hit the mainstream this season when you're getting into redraft season, and um, you guys know I'm a big uh, high-stakes FFPC player, and the, draft, the drafts this year are just nuts. I mean, you go in a draft and depending on who you're drafting with, the top three rounds are you know, you'll see 22, 23 running backs go in the first, you know, 36 picks. And, you know, you start getting to that third round running back range and it's like Chris Carson, James Conner, Leonard Fournette. And it's like, Ugh, I, I have a hard time clicking, you know, draft on those guys. And it's it's just simply due to scarcity. And you get to the point where you're able to get Jarvis Landry, Tyler Boyd in round seven, round eight. And yeah, they may not have a ton of ceiling, but you look at their target floor and you're like, you're still buying... 130, 140 targets potentially with those guys five rounds later, you know, so I kind of look at it and say, I'd rather have James Conner and one of those guys than a receiver and then a who knows what running back I'm getting, you know, later on so that it's really starting to get accentuated here but the idea just being, and I want to hear your guys thoughts on this but uh, this is especially to those leagues that john hates. You know, the let's mm-hmm. let's start seven flexes and it's one, 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 one. And there's really just throw anybody in there that you can. There's no scarcity at any position. So it's just a free for all. If you're in one of those leagues, man, it, my whole goal, if I'm in one of those leagues, any league where I can start, you know, up to six or seven receivers or more, I don't really care who they are. I mean, yeah, I want to get Tyreek Hill and Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams. But once you get down to like wide receiver 10, there's not a huge difference between You know, let's say AJ Brown and Michael Gallup, for instance. I mean, on the on paper, there's a huge difference, but value-wise, what's the real difference? It's just perception. You know, people see a 22 year old AJ Brown, you're like, dude, he's going to be the next Julio Jones, and so they elevate his price. And I'm not saying I'd take Michael Gallup over him, but you can find these holes in ADP, and it's like, you know, wide receiver 15 for wide receiver 35. It's a not 40 percent chance that wide receiver 35 is better. And it's not like he's old. He might be 25 instead of 22 or 23. So the idea is just capturing, hey, I can start eight receivers. I want to try to get eight in the top 40. But if I can add a bunch of extra first and second round picks in a startup and still come out with seven or eight of those guys and... You know, maybe they're Henry Ruggs or McCole Hardman or Marquise Brown. Any given week, I can smash you. I can smash your Michael Thomas or Devontae Adams in one given week. The more I can start, the better chance I can defeat some of the really high-priced receivers.
1: And, Scott, that's very similar to the—I mean, just like the format you mentioned, I think it's several flex spots— Mitch and I were co-winning a team in a league that, that you created. And, you know, I'm always hesitant to get in a league that you create because I know you know the scoring and the format like the back of your hand. <laughs> and we see what you're doing in the startup. And Mitch and I even messaged, the, me, messaged each other and we're like, Scott has done this format so many times. he We know exactly what he's trying to do here. And it's just like you said, get several players later on that, you know, m- maybe – one of them isn't going to outperform a Devontae Adams, but if you can get two of them together in like the aggregate, then it's going to be better. Um, you know, Mitch, I want to turn it over to you because we've talked about this so many times, you know, looking at wide receivers and running backs and startups and the way that we've been approaching it this off season.
2: Yeah. So there's like a huge debate you could get to on this, right? But A big thing is everyone's like, you could build through wide receivers because wide receivers stay good for a really long time. So if you just go back to August 2019, DLF ADP, Beckham was wide receiver two, and then now he's wide receiver 10. Juju was wide receiver four, now he's wide receiver seven. Diggs is wide receiver 10, now he's 23. Thielen's 13, now he's 33. Cooks was 14, now he's 44. Hilton's 16, and now he's wide receiver 50. Most take of those breath, guys Mitch, take a breath. I like most of those guys didn't He's in the zone even change at all. Like they're in the exact same situation. Diggs changed and became the number one wide receiver on his team, and he still dropped. So I think there's like this huge kind of fallacy out there that you could build their wide receivers. their value stays the same or increases each year. And I don't know if that's true because I know someone like Barkley was injured last year. He's still going as running back, too. You could get guys like Kenyon Drake who immediately shoot up. And there's not a lot of wide receivers who are 26 years old who are all of a sudden going to go five rounds higher than what they did the previous year.
1: I think I'm going to butcher this, but JJ Zacharyson had a tweet. I think it was last week. And it talked about running backs and wide receivers early, late. Which way should you go? And I I really wish that I would have put this in the notes here, but basically it said there, if you take the later running backs, there's a better chance they shoot up the the rankings and the value significantly increases. But if you take wide receiver late, it's a better chance. They just purely outperform their ADP. And I'm gonna have to go back and look at it after the show, but I think that's pretty close. And I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. We were talking about, just like Scott said, you know, Michael Gallup or A.J. Brown. I think there's a much better chance Michael Gallup outperforms his ADP than an A.J. Brown. But there's also a much better chance that a running back going kind of around maybe where Michael Gallup is going in Dynasty could shoot up. And whether it's midseason or come this time off offseason uh, next year... But I I just think, you know, it's really it's an interesting dynamic because you could sit there and debate, OK, wide receivers, the way to go early or running back early. But and Scott, you threw in some numbers here for the wide receivers and I'm, I'm going to read through them. And it's going to be difficult because, you know, if you're listening to this, maybe rewind it after we go through it just to kind of grasp what's going on. But it forced me to go and look at the running backs in the same uh, spectrum. So, Scott, you put in here in 2019. 75 different wide receivers posted a top 12 week. So wide receiver one week, 50 different wide receivers did it at least twice. Only eight different wide receivers did it more than four times. So if you look at that range, wide receiver nine to wide receiver 50 are going to post between two and four wide receiver one week. So just like you said, Scott, there there really isn't that big of a difference and that's a huge range. So when you look at running back in that same spectrum, in 2019, 58 different running backs posted a top 12 running back week. 40 did it at least twice. 18 did it more than four times. So that reduces the range to running back. 19 to 40 are going to post between two and four running back one week. So, Scott, just like you said, it kind of talks about the scarcity there. And while that range is still pretty broad, I know I'm not comfortable going in with running back 32 and running back 35, for example, as my top two running backs thinking, oh yeah, they have just as good a chance as running back 19 to hit this threshold. So again, the, the guests that we have on the show, I always tout our show as having the best guests bar none. And just like this, this information you're bringing, we didn't even think about it. So because you brought in this wide receiver information, I literally was sitting there today. Hopefully, none of my colleagues at work are listening. But I was like, okay, I have to go through all the running backs. And and so, Scott, I I really appreciate this information because I think it is valuable.
0: Well, and here's the thing, and I and we get caught up in all off season. We listen to people talk about draft picks, and we hear people talk about, you know, this player is a hit based on these analytics. You know, if you're really into analytics, you'll often hear the quoted hit rate right on a wide receiver. And I look at this and say, you know, typically when they say hit rate, it's a, it's a top 24 season, right? But does a top 24 season really matter at this point? Is it any different than a wide receiver 15 season or a wide receiver 27 season looking at this data? So you may have players that never hit that top 24 season, but if their dynasty value is consistently, you know, wide receiver 45 or wide receiver 50, they're hitting their ADP. And if you have big enough rosters, you know, big enough starting lineups, like we said, it doesn't matter because the threshold that you're capturing every single week is more than enough to include them in your starting lineup. It's totally different. Like FFPC, you only start two receivers and it's tight end premium and you start two flexes. So if you build a team like this, you're all of a sudden ending up with seven wide receiver threes and fours. And every single week, you're having to pick two or three. And that's a terrible life to live because half the time, the one that goes off is the one on your bench. And then you chase those points the next week. And it's one of the others that you sat on your bench. So you can get in trouble when you're looking at settings that are totally different. So, you know, it goes back to the old consistency or not consistency to me. Consistency is irrelevant when you're talking about deep leagues, but shallow leagues. Yeah, certainly. I want my three receivers to be 150 targets each I'll pay up for them. Cause I know what I'm getting. I'll let everyone else worry about, hey, I'm determining which 110 or 120 target guy to start every single week. So it just matters depending on your league. But I mean, wouldn't you say most of our leagues are at least start up to five, six receivers? I mean, most probably the listeners of this show are probably in leagues where it's a little deeper than what we're normally thinking.
1: And I love those deeper leagues because the way, especially Mitch and I, we build our teams, we try to accumulate depth. And I know you do the same thing, Scott. And you're, you're forced to be able to get those multiple picks when you're trading down in drafts but also it, it does make the start sit decision much easier because if you have six of those wide receivers or four of those running backs, but you can only start two of them. I know, especially in my home redraft league and everybody rips on me, Oh, th- th- you have a podcast JB and you're, you're coming in seventh place. I'm like, guys, just leave me alone. My, my mom has won that league more times than I have in the last five years. So that, that's my opinions on uh redraft, but <laughs> um, you know, so I think it is important to know your settings, just like you said. And Dan, I, one of the things that Scott just mentioned is consistency. I don't think that's really on your radar when building teams, because I mean, one of the uh, players that Scott put on our list is Amari Cooper.
3: Hey, Amari Cooper, the best is ahead. All right. But I I do like consistency, JB. But you like those guys that could break out and be smash players. I love the statistics that Scott shared, and and I'm definitely loving the receivers. Looking at my rankings right now, there are some guys in my third, fourth, fifth-tier wide receivers that I just love and I think could break out and have good seasons. And the only part maybe I disagree a little bit with Scott is he he hurt my heart a little bit. And I know I'm a little biased on Uncle Lenny, but Uncle Lenny, Carson, and I think it was uh, James Conner you mentioned, Scott – they're like the three guys in my tier two running backs that I would click and be confident in. Uh, you know, I'm a little biased on uncle Lenny, but those three, I, I definitely still like, so click, click and click, go for him, Scott, have some conviction. I'm encouraging you.
0: Hey, Hey, I, I can respect that. Actually, I've been warming up to James Connor. I got to get him in a couple redraft redrafts leagues just because he's one of those guys in dynasty that zero, there's been a zero in that category for at least two plus years. So, you know, we'll see where it goes, but John, I wanted to ask you about, uh, Amari Cooper and Jamison Crowder, because that was one of my points was we are terrible at classifying receivers as boomer bust or consistent. And those are two names that stand out. I mean, everyone says Amari Cooper's boomer bust. Right. And when you hear Jamison Crowder, you're like, oh, he has a good PPR floor. You know, he's going to get a lot of targets, but he's not going to really ever ever give you any, you know, spike weeks. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, last year, Jamison Crowder was basically all boomer bust. He had six top 24 weeks. He had four top 12 weeks and then nothing. Every other week was outside the top 36. And I mean, maybe that had to do with Sam Darnold. Maybe it had to do with the offense, but still, like, we misclassify players all the time. And Amari Cooper was one of the most consistent receivers last year. He had 10 top 36 weeks and eight top 24 weeks. So you say he's boom or bust, but I look at it and say, man, I'm getting a top 24 week eight times.
3: Preach, Scott. Preach, man. Preach it. Yeah,
0: that's one of the best. That's one of the top 10 receivers in the league right there. So I don't know i just think we classify players as boom or bust and we think we can predict based on their targets and it's we're just not good at it so i, I don't know that's all i really say about that so I,
1: I love the i love the uh topic of consistency and mitch you know this better than anybody because the first league that you and i met each other in we had a bet and i don't know if you remember it but i had michael it- thomas and you had julio jones and I was at that point in time, this is going into the 2018 season. I was all about consistency and I wanted guys that are going to give me that stable production week after week. But just like you said, Scott, and I know there's people doing great stuff on consistency, Bob Lung. He has a, an award winning publication. That's the consistency guide. But I, to an extent, we don't know who's going to be consistent week after week. And Mitch, like I said, you had Julio, I had Michael Thomas. I already cashed that check. I thought I was going to win that bet. And actually, in 2018, Julio had more wide receiver two weeks than Michael Thomas. Wide receiver two are better.
2: and, and yeah, you were convinced he wasn't going to score touchdowns. Remember, Julio doesn't score t- touchdowns. That's what we were told, like Scott's bringing it up. You know, we get these narratives about these wide receivers. And Julio doesn't score touchdowns is what we were told two years ago. And now look at him. He could suddenly score touchdowns. It's an amazing thing.
1: I I was going off in that group chat, too. I was making myself look like a huge, uh, to keep it clean, a huge butthead here. But, you know, I was going on and on and on and on. And then after Julio started to produce, I don't think I really commented in that chat for a good stretch because I was like, I have to hide.
3: I love how Scott picked... uh... Cooper and uh, Crowder too. You know, underneath Mitch's shirt, there's a Jameson Crowder tattoo across his back. And you know, I'm a Coop, Cooper truther. So good, good picks there, Scott. And I think you're right, JB. The more I think about, it, as far as consistency, I mean, I trust my rankings and a bet on talent. Give me the guys that I believe are going to boom and the consistency. I'll figure that out as I manage my team.
1: I like this comment here from Chris in the chat, enjoying the show, guys, and loving the way that Mitch is levitating next to his chair.
2: <laughs> That's my gaming chair, but it squeaks. So I use this old wooden one for podcasts so it doesn't annoy everybody the whole time.
1: (laughs) And So, and again, this is another topic that we could spend so much time on, but we do have two other things we want to get through. And Scott, there's a tight end that you want to talk about. And I know Dan, he's salivating over there because he talked about him a lot last off season with us. And Mitch and I, honestly, and I'm a little ashamed. We faded this tight end, but I'm going to turn it over to you.
0: Yeah, I actually just did a uh, real deep dive on my uh, my Patreon podcast this weekend about tight ends. And I did a show on Mark Andrews last season. If you guys remember, he started off on fire. Like his first two weeks, I mean, he was looking like, you know, he's Kelsey Kittle plus first two weeks. And you're going, this is no way this is sustainable. And, you know, he didn't have, he didn't do that every single week, but he had five or six other boom games throughout the season. And so I just look a little bit deeper into what he's done through his first two years. And, you know, the big knock on him was he played 457 snaps last year. Hayden Hurst played 457 snaps. The knock on Andrews is, well, he doesn't play enough, right? He doesn't get enough snaps. He's always splitting snaps with, you know, the first year he split snaps four ways. Last year he split three ways. Luckily this year, there's only two tight ends really that are relevant. Um, But I'm looking at that and saying, what has he done per snap? If he ever earns enough snaps, and if you look at, I compare him to um, Zach Ertz. If you look at Zach Ertz's first two years, his snaps look like this. Like they were the low 50s and then high 50s and then exploded into the 70s. So maybe there's something like that with Andrews that's the case. But you just look at what he's done per target and per snap. And I put the numbers in the show sheet, but I mean, he is outpacing George Kittle and Travis Kelsey by a lot. I mean, PPR points per snap. I mean, he is 50% higher than Travis Kelsey for his career. And it's only two years. It's a small sample size. But basically what that's saying is if you can project more volume for him, I think last year could be his floor. Maybe his touchdowns are going to go down a little bit. But man, if this guy gets 650 snaps and his targets go up maybe 10 to 20, I mean, tight end three people, I've heard people say his, his price is too high. Tight end three is his ceiling. I don't think so. I think his makeup, I don't want to say he's the next Kittle, but I wouldn't be shocked if he had two seasons in the next five or six where he's pushing 1200 yards. I mean, he has that in his capabilities. So I'm buying even now at his price.
1: So Mitch and I were working through our projections and they're pretty much finalized. And I'm going to shamelessly plug our YouTube channel, which if you're watching live now, you're already aware of it, but subscribe to the YouTube channel dynasty theory. If you're listening on the podcast feed and we're giving away our projections for, for free, it's our first time going through actual projections, but Mitch, I, I would say, combined uh, 50 hours 60 hours 70 hours oh, somewhere
2: like well we're over 100
1: yeah. maybe more Dude, i am my, I at my wife least. my wife she's at the point now that if i'm on my laptop it doesn't matter what time it is she goes are you working on those stupid projections <laughs> and today today i kind of set her off a little bit because of how much time i've put in you know the whole news with major league baseball maybe there won't be a season and i looked at her and said you know uh hun If there's no 2020 season, these projections are worthless. She looked at me like I might have to keep an eye open when I sleep tonight because we have spent so much time on these projections. But right now, you know, looking at it, we have 105 targets, 68 receptions. We have him slated as the tight end three this year behind Kelsey and Kittle. Could he outperform that? Absolutely. But looking at our projected uh, total passing attempts, the way we think that offense is going to look, that's where we have him, and there's actually quite a little buffer between him and tight end four.
3: I love it. You know, you know, as a, as a coach, you put you surround yourself with with better, good people, and then for fantasy football, part of my strategy is surrounding myself with guys like the three of you that are smarter than me that are doing all this work with projections. And I love Scott's show notes on Mark Andrews because what I love doing is watching the game film. I love watching tons of football. And in watching him last year, he is a tough SOB. Let me tell you, he's getting open, catching balls, scoring, and he was hurt. I mean, he was playing hurt last year, and like he, he was in that full capacity, and he was still producing in fantasy football. So I just could see him this year being even healthier. Hurst is out of the picture. I think Lamar is going to continue to get better. Like I just I drinking the Baltimore Raven Kool-Aid, the way they're building that offense and that team, you know, yeah, you Dobbins in the backfield there, even more pressure comes off with it. I think he even improved running game. I love what Mark Andrews could do. So spot on top three is between your projections. Scott, the numbers you shared, Andrews right there in three in the top three. And you just cemented him for me.
1: I don't think Lamar is going to get better because last year was just absolutely insane. But again, looking at our projections, we actually have him above Mahomes again here as the quarterback one. And I know you can go back and say there hasn't been a quarterback that's produced quarterback, the quarterback one numbers in multiple years. But I I think that it's going to be Lamar Jackson and Mitch. I think you kind of persuaded me. You know when we were going through because it's tough. You you look at a lot of different resources like fantasy pros, for example. You have everybody's projections and they kind of send out the averages. We did this as a team and it was mm-hmm. kind of tough talking about different players. Mark Andrews, you kind of pushed me in this direction and for once, I don't want to toot your horn too much, but I, I think you were right.
2: I think barring injury, his floor, like Scott said, is tight end three. Like, I don't see him dropping under that because the, the problem is there's two really, really, really good tight ends in the league right now with Kelsey and Kittle. And then there's kind of everybody else underneath them. And Andrews, if he's not on that same scale as Kittle and Kelsey, he's right next to it. I mean, he is the next guy up. And the one thing with tight ends that if you go back and look at it, the really good ones are good year in and year out. We love to talk up like, hey, who are we on last year, John? The Steelers tight end. Vance. Yeah, Vance. You know, we talked at Vance. We're like, oh, look at all these targets that are open. He's gonna go in there and smash. You know, Why, that whole you, why would you
1: bring that bad memory up?
2: Because it's what we do with tight ends every year. It was Burton the year before it was Ebron before that. I mean, this happens every year to where we talk up these tight ends that end up going between five and 10 and they just end up tanking. If you could go out and you could get Kelsey Kittle or Andrews this year. I think you do that every time because you put them in your lineup for 16 games. Well, you know, 13 for fantasy, but, and then you're fine with it and you move forward and you never have to worry about your lineup moving forward.
3: I think you're yeah, spot Mitch, on Mitch. wait did.
1: Real quick, Dan, I, I have a great zinger here and I have to throw it out. Mitch, you're exactly right. You have to worry about it for 13 weeks because typically you don't go beyond that. But Dan, over to you.
3: Oh, ho, ho. I'm, I'm going to say sorry, Mitch. No, I, Mitch is spot on. And I think I did hear Scott say somewhere in the beginning of his analysis, there's three relevant tight ends this year. Because I think after these, first, these three guys go, you're coming back to the position because there's just way too much more talent on, on your draft boards. And the last thought, JB, just when I mentioned Lamar Jackson being better, I probably should clarify, maybe not fantasy football better. I mean, I don't know how many more points he could score, but I think NFL talent better. Like he's there is more progression for him as a quarterback. And I think the beneficiaries are going to be Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown.
1: I agree with that. And Scott, before we move on to your last topic here, I'm going to put you on the spot. So every once in a while we stray away from the show notes. But I I think we can agree in whatever order you want. It's Kittle, Kelsey, Andrews who would you creep in there as your tight end four, five, and six, let's say, and let, let's look at just for 2020. So, like I said, really throwing you on the spot here. Oh
0: man. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, that's difficult <laughs> because I think I'm with Mitch that yeah, these are, this is the range where I'm almost punting. I will take Zach Ertz for the immediate production in a startup if he's there. But I mean, we're talking at least two rounds after Mark Andrews in a startup draft I think if I had to pivot, I would probably be looking for somebody that I think could have a big value spike. Uh, I have zero shares of this player, and people have asked me, why do you have zero shares? And it's just because it's been a headache to own. Uh, But I probably would say Evan Ingram up there just just because if he stays healthy for a season, I could see him creeping up into that 110 target range, and that's going to put him up in this same potential range based on what he's done you know, throughout his career that the most interesting thing with tight ends and you guys mentioned it is, you know, looking at some of these data I, I went through for the last 15 years and tracked tight ends per snap per target, all that stuff. And some really interesting names. I mean, two names stand out. They're the same age. They've been in the league for the same amount of time. But when I tell you these two names, they grayed out almost the same, but one you probably would really want to buy in dynasty. And the other one you'd say, I can probably get them on every waiver wire. So the first one's Gerald Everett, that guy, when he gets snaps and when he gets targeted, he's one of the top 10 t- tight ends in the league. You just need him to move somewhere where he gets the targets and gets the snaps. So if an NFL team sees it, boom. I think he's in, I think he's a great buy right now at tight end 32, I think, in ADP. But the other one, this guy just blew me away. One of the top five in all of these metrics, Ricky Seals Jones. Now, but, but you know what? Because when he gets snaps and he gets targets, he crap he crushes. But the NFL has told us he is a 250 snap player. He is a backup. He is not going to ever get to a point where a team trusts him 500, 600 snaps. So you can't extrapolate that data and say, well, hey, if he ever gets, you know, 600 snaps, this guy's going to be a tight end one. He's never going to get that. So I think with Andrews, he's a type one diabetic. We might not know something about how much he can play. What if he never hits the 55, 60% snap range? What if Baltimore sees him as a 50% 50 percent at most I think his efficiency can still be as good but does he have this elite ceiling so we'll see if he's in the 45 50 percent range again this year I may have to pump my brakes on him just a little bit in terms of his ceiling because I don't know if he ever gets to that 80 plus percent like Kelsey
1: Ricky Seals Jones is it's a great name to drop because especially during the off season I, Scott you're very active on Twitter So are Mitch and Dan and myself but this is the time of year I call it the player profiler time of year because that's the trump card you throw those they have all the measurables they have the bars so if you're ever in a debate on twitter and somebody drops that they act like it's a mic drop like boom that just happened and ricky seals jones he is athletic and there were some off the field issues and you know like you said scott maybe 250 when it comes to snaps is a ceiling but it's an interesting name and you mentioned Gerald everett the name i wanted to hear from you even though i love evan ingram love him I wanted you to say Tyler Higbee.
0: Oh, yeah, no.
1: One <laughs> share, and I just took him at a startup just to hedge my bets. But no,
0: not not on Higbee at all. That's no. interesting you say that because we're complete opposite on that side.
1: We have him right here. We And this is, again, this is Mitch. It's kind of a give and take in certain situations. But, Mitch, why don't you tell our friend Scott here where we
2: have Tyler Higbee right now? We might have him at tight end four. Might, but nice. it's really. But like we were saying earlier, is after the top three, there is six different guys I could put at tight end four and be okay with it. I could have Ingram, I could have Ertz, I could have uh, Gronkowski. Probably is a lot of people's tight end four at this point. But and I, I can you tell know, you he's, he's not our tight end four. No, not he's our- not even close. <laughs> but Hickey's just the guy. If you're right on him and you have lots of shares, it'll pay off. But a lot of these tight end shares will end up never paying off. And so that's just kind of a put your money on a guy sort of thing. And if it's really good, then awesome. Yeah,
1: we we have four tight ends here for 2020 within nine points. And again, we can talk about our projections. And I'm sure f- at least 50% of these, we're going to be completely off. But those are the ones we just w- white out whenever we repost it on Twitter. And we say, look how close we were on this guy. Ignore the guy right below him but I, I think that's fantastic you know talk about tight ends and mark andrews like i said and i think you know in dynasty we kind of get take lock a lot of the time and we're all guilty of that to an extent but mark andrews he's a guy that i wanted nothing to do with heading into 2019 and now i've done a complete 180 and i'm i'm okay acquiring him especially at his more inflated price one last thing we're going to talk about today and I think it's absolute blasphemy. But again, we cater to our guests. We try to be, you know, we try to extend a level of hospitality. But Scott, you want to talk about zero running back. And could that make a comeback here in 2020?
0: Yeah, man, this is uh, a topic that I, I, I do feel passionate about. But I'm still kind of working through it because I, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but it's starting to make a little bit of headway out there in the podcast space, for sure. Uh, People talking about zero running back over the next month, uh, basically refuting a lot of what we talked about last year with the receiver numbers, that it was a fluke that a lot, not a lot of the receipt, not a lot of the uh, zero running back hits popped last year. And so if you went zero running back and you faded, you know, those first couple round running backs, the teams that, you know, had Michael Gallup and DJ Shark and Terry McLaurin and AJ Brown, you know, they pulled these guys out in the double digit rounds of, you know, redrafts, but also, you know, Dynasty, you didn't expect these guys that were going to give you wide receiver two, wide receiver three seasons. And so if you were sitting on a couple of elite backs, you, you know, you nullified the advantage that those teams that were wide receiver heavy had last year. You know, this year, I do think that I know we're going to get into talking about the COVID-19 stuff. There's just something about this year that is just going to be wild and unpredictable. I mean, knock on wood that we have a full season. You we're able to have a season with a fantasy playoffs and we can crown champions in leagues, but yeah, there's just something about this year that I think is just going to be unpredictable. And I think with things being unpredictable, the first victims are usually, you know, people that are really thin at running back and so in that realm, I think zero RB could 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 bring some league winners this year. I don't know if you guys remember, there were numerous championships games last year. I was starting DeAndre Washington and Mike Boone. And I think Mike Boone put up like a two spot and DeAndre Washington put up a 20 spot. So it worked both ways. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the, the zero running back in dynasty, especially with deeper rosters, I think it could be a thing this year. And I think I'm not giving it enough credit.
1: Dan, you hear a zero running back, and it's like in The Wizard of Oz, you're like the Wicked Witch of the West and you shrivel up under the house. <laughs> Your skin just crawls whenever you hear a zero running back.
3: Yeah, it, it gets me nervous there. Not enough balance. You know, we, we had a good guess in Joe Pisapia, and we were talking about, you know, finding edges. So I, my my hair would be standing up there if I had zero running backs. But I do know what Scott's saying. I mean, it's a good contrarian take. When I look at it, I get tiers of receivers where I think guys could blow up. I don't see that at running back. We've talked about how unique that running back dynamic is this year. There's just so many timeshares and there's so many question marks. Um, So I could see it, but, you know, Scott, your last name's Connor. Get yourself James Connor. You know, I I would like to at least get two (laughs) solid running backs that I could sleep easy on and then, you know, believe in our talent and drafting and find those DJ sharks later on.
1: So while we always talk about dynasty, in, in, even in redraft, like we're partnering with Manscaped and they're now sponsoring the pod, it, it takes a, a set, a, a big set, to go <laughs> zero running back. And with Manscaped, it can be trimmed, it can be solid, you know, very well kept. But uh, Mitch, are, do do you have the cojones to go zero running back here in twenty twenty?
2: Well done on that, by the way. Well done. I, I,
1: literally, I just thought of that. <laughs> that was
2: good. That was very good. No, because my issue with a zero running back is, so you're going to be taking a whole bunch of backup running backs, right? Or less valuable running backs. And if we're looking at it because we're going to do it because you know, COVID could be an issue, those guys could be just as le- likely to get it as the starters that you're passing up. So while I 100% believe depth is going to be key to this year. We see a lot of teams and 14 teamers that, you know, they're completely stacked and have no depth whatsoever. I mean, they have 10 starters and that's it. But so I think that's going to be a huge failure this year. But as far as going zero running back because of COVID, I'm not, I mean, who knows who's going to get COVID? Could it be the backup running back? start? exactly. Yeah. Who knows? So that's my Um, issue with the whole zero running back thing. So
1: Scott, I I have a few players. I'm not a zero running back guy, but there's a few players that I would actually be okay with given the, you know, the impact of COVID-19 and if there's any impact on the shortened off season. But who are a few guys that you have on your radar if you're going to pitch zero running back? Who are the guys that you want our listeners to know about?
0: Well, I do think it's important to say about what Mitch said. That zero running back in dynasty, if you have zero if you literally have zero running backs and you're rostering all your running backs are outside the top 36. The odds that you're a contending team is already probably a zero. So I think the, the zero running back fallacy is more argumentative towards redraft. For Dynasty, I think it's, do I want to go out and pay for the running backs on the market what they cost right now? Acquisition cost to buy, and not to crap on Leonard Fournette, but to buy Leonard Fournette, to buy James Conner, to buy Chris Carson. The price point to buy from another owner is a lot more expensive then probably the the odds that you're going to get back the production. You know, there's a, there's a gap between the buy and the sell. If I'm selling agree. one of those guys, I'm not selling them for a second round pick, but I'm not going out there and buying them for more than a first round pick. So there's just a gap where it's impossible to trade for him. So I think for dynasty, there's a couple zero running back targets that I do think are being uh, quite a bit undervalued. Um, I, I've been picking up Giovanni Bernard in a lot of leagues uh, just The Falcons backfield and the Bengals backfield are two backfields that people have no idea. I see people touting all three of the backups in both of those situations. And who knows what it's going to be. I'm a Bengals fan, but, you know, I see people talking about like Travion Williams. And I actually think he's probably the least likely of the three, Um, you know, but one of those three could be relevant. And it may not take a whole lot, a Joe Mixon holdout or one injury for them being relevant. And then uh, Atlanta, you can get all three of their backups literally for free. Or they're very, very late rounds. And none of them are probably that great of players. But, you know, I look at all three of them and say, one of them's got to be the backup, right? And it's Todd Gurley as the starter. I mean, those are true, like, zero running back guys where you're literally picking them up off waiver wires in a lot of leagues. So those two are ones I've been picking out. Go a little bit higher up, players that are owned. I still think Duke Johnson is a good player. I still think Duke Johnson is a guy where he's going is still worth drafting where you can. I mean there's a non-zero chance that he's still not better than David Johnson. We don't know. And it's not like they have a backfield there with somebody else that's going to threaten, you know, potential work. So we don't know what that offense is going to look like. And then uh, one more that's been getting a lot of steam lately that uh, was just, I've seen him dropped in the league earlier this offseason was Tevin Coleman. People just forgot about him. And, he was hurt last year. If you guys remember, he had a high ankle sprain. He did really well for the first four or five weeks, and then he suffered that high ankle sprain, and then it was like it was all Raheem mastered from there. But how do we know it's not Tevin Cole? They're, they kept him on the roster. That was the first thing. They didn't draft anybody else. That was the second thing. So I think those two things make him somebody that I'd be worth paying. You know, if I can get him for a third or something like that, I'm doing it.
3: Hey, Mitch, that's yeah. encouraging for all your Duke Johnson investments.
2: I have a lot. Yeah, I need to recoup some cost on that one. And I mean, there are there are a lot of situations
1: and Scott, you kind of brought it up where I, I actually think there's going to be more of a 50 50 split that people are going to be very uncomfortable with. And one of the situations when we we look through our projections, we actually have Tevin Coleman and Mostert really close. There's yeah. not a lot of separation there. And I know I know Raheem Mostri is one of those guys that people you know, touting throughout the offseason as a dynasty buy. Even though he's older, doesn't have much tread on the tires, which is great, but I, Tevin Coleman, just like you said, Scott, I don't think he's going anywhere. More expensive, obviously, than the Falcons or the Bengals backfield, but maybe a player like Marlon Mack. He's still going to get used here in 2020. We, Mitch, get ready. Damian Williams still in 2020. Obviously, oh, yeah. the price the price is much much different than going into 2019. But Damian Williams, Marlon Mack carry on Johnson and you know, you never want to hope for an injury, but they're all just also one minor injury away from really getting used here in 2020. But I think those are guys that if we want to say running backs outside of the first, definitely I mean, heck seven, eight rounds, they're still going to be there in startups and probably redraft too.
0: You know, another two guys you made me think of that is uh, a guy that literally is free. I just picked him up in the 30th round of a startup Uh, Royce Freeman is another one that's, that's just completely dead where he is, but what if there's an injury? What if he gets traded all of a sudden? I mean, I'm looking for an angle where maybe their value could go up. I see Royce Freeman running back 74 and you see some of the names ahead of him, like, you know, Malcolm Brown or Dario Gabouwale, or even Mike Boone is ahead of him in the current ADP. And, you know, I look at him and say, he just didn't fit the Denver scheme. They even said as much. He did not fit what they wanted to do the second half of last year. That's why they brought in Melvin Gordon. Uh, and then another one that's just completely getting slept on, I'll probably buy some more shares when he goes on the pup, is Rashad Penny. I mean, it, there could be a 5 to 10% chance that we're looking up in like week 11, and Rashad Penny's the Seahawks starter.
1: Now, and can, everybody- I tra- can I tell you a trade that I just made? It was an offer yeah. sent to me. It was a safe league. So, you know, tight ends, they get the two PPR in a lot of those leagues. Somebody offered me Rashad Penny for Thaddeus Moss. Oh, snap! Smash that yeah, snap. Except, yeah. wow. And I, I yeah, said that. it to Mitch, I was like bragging about it. It's like, yeah, it's Rashad Penny, but it was Thaddeus Moss, he might not even be on a roster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think those two are
0: good ones to pick up just because they, they've they been left out. Where we see the all these rookies that impacted situations this year. And I did a show uh two weeks ago, uh, with Shane Manila, we talked about this. You know, we're forgetting about all these guys. I know you're a big Keyshawn Vaughn guy, but we're forgetting about carry on Johnson, Ronald Jones, Marlon Mack. These next two running back classes coming in don't look to be all that strong. And we've just, di- we've thrown a lot of these running backs off the cliff already. You know, a guy like carry on Johnson, people have just thrown him off the cliff. And it's like, what if he can have a second life somewhere else? I mean, the dude is still 22 years old. So, you know, we've kind of moved on from these guys, even James Connor, Chris Carson, we're just assuming they're going to be done after this year, next year. And what if they're not? What if we're wrong? So I may go out and buy some of those guys, and I'm about as far from wanting to buy running backs as anybody you'll ever have on this show.
1: Dan, you heard it from somebody else other than me, Royce Freeman. Dirt <laughs> cheap. If he gets moved to another team, there is possible life after Denver.
3: I'm not sure I'm drinking the Royce Freeman Kool-Aid, but I do appreciate the deep dive on running backs because you have to do it. I mean, it is a puzzle that everyone here has to figure out to be successful in the fantasy football landscape. How is it all going to play out? It's going to be interesting to watch.
1: Scott, you made my job very easy I asked you, what do you want to talk about tonight? You sent me these four topics. I shot it over to Mitch and Dan. I said, Scott laid it out for me. So whenever you want to come back on, you let me know because it allowed me to relax a little bit (laughs) and not have to put in the preparation for the show notes. But uh, thank you so much for coming on. Plug what you're working on, where to find you on social media. Again, as if our listeners don't already know.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a blast. Uh, I love your show. I've been listening since the very beginning. Uh, I think I started tuning in episode three and then went back and listened to the first two. So I'm a loyal listener myself. You guys do great work. <laughs> and uh, I know, I know, you've come a long way since you started. So kudos to you guys for building where you have, you know, coming to where you've come from. Uh, great job on that. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Charles Chill FFB, uh, right at Dynasty League Football, host of Dynasty and Chill, uh, just launched a Patreon last weekend. Uh, we've got almost twenty people in there. Uh, I'm starting to kind of change the course of my show to be more of just a a chill session with guests. It's just basically going to be chill sessions with guests that I have on, and we just talk Dynasty and a lot of the the deep dive deeps into st- deep dive into statistics, like I did with the Mark Andrews and some of the stuff on the show sheet, uh, is going to be more behind the Patreon wall. Um, and then I do host another show uh, for all the Dynasty people that want to try redraft. Um, You've probably already played Redraft before, but I'm really big into playing FFPC. We host a weekly FFPC show uh, called Chasing the Helmet. Uh, we do live drafts, and uh, we'll be bringing live content this year from the uh, main events in Vegas in September. So if you're interested in FFPC, check that out as well. Appreciate you guys having me.
1: Absolutely. And if you are not following Scott on Twitter, if you're not listening to the show, I highly suggest you do. It's going to help you, whether it's Redraft, Dynasty, it's going to help you tremendously. And Scott, I told you, you didn't know this initially, but Mitch and I, you are one of our mortal enemies because when we started this show as Super Flexology, we wanted the show to be super flex and chill. And Mitch said, it was. you started your show right before us. And Mitch mm-hmm. said, Oh, John, I love the name, but there's a dynasty and chill. And I was like, who the heck is this guy? I, I'm never going to talk to him. This is a name we wanted, but I, I think we kind of, you know, mended our differences here, but you're always a, a pleasure to bring on the show. So thank you for joining us, Scott, Mitch, any final thoughts for the listeners?
2: Um, final thoughts, just going to be really listen to chasing the helmet. It's an awesome show. If you're huge in a dynasty, I mean, I play 98% dynasty with a little bit of defense mixed in, but listening to what the high stakes redraft leagues do right now is hugely helpful for dynasty. It's awesome to know the values going in. If they're really high on guys, there's a reason to why they're higher on guys than what I am. And going into next year, I I listen to that show every single week and it's huge to help me you know moving forward. So I definitely recommend that podcast.
1: And even though it is redraft, we always talk about it. The short term implications and outcomes have a huge impact on dynasty value. So I couldn't agree more. Dan, final thoughts for the the Cowboys fan
3: over there. Man, you, you know Scott that JB likes you if he's letting you talk redraft because he's as loyal dynasty as they come. Oh. And uh, we knew this was going to be fun tonight. You didn't let us down, Scott. It was a great show. Great. Uh, talking to you as always. And like Mitch said, listeners, you know, there's certain people in the fantasy industry that you want to keep track of, whether it's on Twitter or their podcast and Scott's one of them. So thanks tonight, Scott.
0: Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me on. Great time.
1: Absolutely. And Dan, you couldn't have said it better. Um, You know, like I said, if you're not following Scott, if you're not listening to his multiple podcasts, you know, he said he went back 15 years in tight end data. Man, get a life. Come on. But anyway, as always, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. Be safe, be kind to each other. Have a great night.